Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. On this episode, this very not suitable for work episode, very adult episode, we are going to be talking about women and our relationship with eroticism and pornography. So please, if you have children around, get them out of the room right now. Uh, We'll give you a few seconds to do that because this is definitely not something you want anyone under 18 to be listening to. Uh, So it is going to be very adult. I'm going to give a couple of quick trigger warnings. I may end up editing and adding some more in. I don't know exactly everything that will be brought up during this conversation. Um, But I do want to give a trigger warning for, of course, sexual situations. Um, I don't know if sexual assault will come up. So just a quick trigger warning for that. Sasha is on and she is going to provide some resources just to let everybody know. Um, I'm not sure if domestic violence will come up. My guess would be there'd be a lot of talk of a lot of different sexual scenarios and situations, which could include gang rape. So I'm going to give a warning for that because I don't know if that's going to definitely come up. But I want to give a warning for that since that's a scenario that's in a lot of pornography. So um, just a heads up on that one. So before we get into that, just a couple of quick housekeeping notes. First of all, we are, of course, taking listener support. If you want to subscribe to the show for just $2.99 a month, just $2.99 a month, that will get you some bonus content, including our recent Freaks and Geeks episode. There was a quick preview of that. But if you want to get all two hours of that episode, and it's a really good episode, pay that $2.99 a month and you get exclusive access to that. And then also, of course, after six months, you do get the opportunity to be on an upcoming episode. I do want to give a heads up, way heads up, this this that our way of taking support, because I know people prefer Patreon, we might be switching over to that in the very near future. But if you switch from here to Patreon, I will take into account whatever months you supported us on here. So I just want to give a heads up on that. 
So, yeah. And then the other thing is, of course, we've got our horror trivia event coming up and signups begin August 1st. So we've already got some great guest podcasts lined up to be on that. We've already picked out some great prizes. So, yeah, and things are going to change where we are going to give first, second, and third place prizes. Since this is such a long thing, I want second and third place to also feel like they will get something as well. You will be getting like a package of stuff when you sign up. Not like a huge thing, but a little bit of a gift because we are asking that you do pay an entrance fee of $5. That entrance fee would only be the $2.99 monthly subscription fee if you subscribe by August 1st. Uh, There will be another video that hopefully by the time this airs, since this will be airing on Friday, hopefully that video will be out or close to out or at least a document with rules and stuff and other fun little tidbits and information. I'm hoping to have... um, a bit of the Halloween logo so people can see what that looks like, get a preview of that because it's absolutely amazing. It's awesome. It's so awesome. And I think everybody will love it. So I'm really hoping I can give a preview of that. If not, that'll hopefully happen before August 1st. So I have to just double check with Aaron Amos, who is, who has designed that and it is incredible. So I think everybody will love it. I love it. I'm very excited about it. I want it to just stay our logo forever. (laughs) I won't because, well, because we're not purely horror, so it won't. Okay, so I'm going to go around and have everybody introduce themselves or my two panelists introduce themselves and tell me something you're into right now in pop culture. Pasha. I'm Pasha and uh, I am uh, the co-founder of the Parasol Patrol. We shield kids, we team and BIPOC events protesters. I'm also the executor, executive director of Red Light Resources International. Um, we are an anti-human trafficking group, uh, and we do that by supporting human rights of both uh, trafficking victims, survivors, as well as uh, the uh, sex worker rights, uh, having been uh, both a survivor and a former consenting sex worker myself. It's, it's something that I'm very passionate about. What I'm into lately, gosh, we tried watching Doom Patrol. That did not work out very well. <laughs> we didn't really get into it. <laughs> Sorry. And, uh, but uh, definitely, musically, recently, uh, I was introduced, I don't know how I missed it, to Todrick Hall, which is, I figured this is kind of a, an adult episode, so I can say I love Todrick Hall. Oh, my God. Cracking me up so hard. So, um yeah, so that's that's kind of a funny thing that I've been into lately that's not as nerdy as I normally am. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you. And music, of course. I love it when we get any kind of music, you know, no matter what it is. So thank you. Um, and then Sasha. I'm going to go light and fluffy for this one because we're going to get kind of <laughs> a little more intense. So uh, Disney Plus, I watched the new movie Luca which is set in Italy and they're sea monsters. It's an animation. It's super cute, but um, yeah, they're sea monsters only when they're wet. If they're out on dry land, then they're human. And so they can pass as human, but if they get wet, then they turn back into their sea monsters. And so it's this kind of cute kid story where he's adventuring out on his own and um, light fluffy. It was a lot of fun. So we'll go with that one. Yeah, I've, I've heard about that one. But of course, I don't have Disney Plus. 
<laughs> Sasha's shaking her head. <laughs> Aaron, we're just going to connect later. <laughs> well, you know, I've had it for previews before. Like I had it when, when it first became a thing and I was like, there's nothing on here for me. I watched like one or two things and I was like, this is not for me. And then I did it again when Hamilton came out and then I was like, eh, yeah. And then I canceled it again. But I know, I know. I know it'll, it might happen. <laughs> it might happen by 2023. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is Aaron. And what I'm into is the second chapter of fear street came out this weekend, fear street, 1978. So it's another installment. It's another slasher fun thing. It's just purely slasher. It's, kind of reminiscent this one of like Friday the 13th movies because it takes place at a camp that kind of thing someone you know once again it's that story of the witch possessing someone and that person going and killing people and this person's killing people with an axe so it just kind of reminded me of 80s slasher flicks even though it's set in the late 70s so it was it was a lot of fun I liked that one I, I don't know if I liked that one more than the one the 1994 one or not so i haven't decided yet and then the next one the last one's going to be set in 1666 of course they want to do 666 but it's supposed to be about the origins (laughs) so so that'll be fun i'm looking forward to that okay so we're getting into our episode now i want to just say again this is an adult episode not suitable for work Okay, so we're going to get into, we're going to talk about pornography and eroticism because sometimes a lot of people consider them kind of separate, um, although sometimes they might combine. But we're going to talk first about pornography. And I want to talk about how women are portrayed in pornography. I'm assuming both of my panelists have seen pornographic films or they wouldn't be on here. And so I want to talk about that, about your thoughts on how women are portrayed in pornography. You can go as hardcore within limits, of course, but as hardcore as you want to in describing your feelings on it, your relationship with it, Pasha. I think that just like basically anything in life, uh, there can be positive and negatives. Um, I think overall pornography is healthy. Eroticism is healthy. I think it's great. But just like with substance abuse or or even religion <laughs> when you take things to an extreme it can be taken to a very very dark place and uh so it is but for overall for the mass majority of the general population i think pornography can be very fun and healthy for relationships and um yeah i dig it <laughs> <laughs> And what do you think about the way women are portrayed in the vast majority of pornography? Um, That is an issue. I think there have been more and more um, women producers, which has been great. Uh, Being Asian myself, of course, there's a lot of issues, and I'm sure we'll dig into this later, about uh, Asian fetishization and how that can actually reflect and be very actually physically dangerous uh, for women in the Asian community. So, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> that's a yeah. thing. But Sasha, what are your overall general thoughts on pornography and especially the way women in pornography? So I think, like Pasha said, I mean, with more women 
being behind the camera and, you know, doing it, I think will have better portrayals. I'm just going to go based on, I think that sometimes pornography gives a very slanted view on what sex is and what it can be. And it can be very distorted. I think that um, a lot, and this is just from my perspective. So this is not on a whole, this is only my perspective is that I think a lot of times the women are portrayed, you know, they're either the innocent, naive schoolgirl who needs to be taught the ways, or they're just like this sexaholic, like can't get enough. And they're the ones that are, you know, doing the teaching or whatever. But I feel like you it's that you're either a whore or you're a virgin. And I don't feel like there's a lot of in between. Does that make sense? No, I think that makes perfect. I think that makes yeah. perfect sense. I think that's very accurate. Yeah. And that's just my perspective of it is that it's, it, I don't see any in between. It's very much one or the other. I mean, there are definitely cases for the in between, but it seems there's a lot more. Either you're innocent and need to be educated of the ways. Well, you just haven't had the right person. <laughs> okay. You know. So. Yeah. And I think, well, I think a lot of that is because. I think pornography at its core and when it was just what it was designed for was for titillating men. It wasn't designed initially for women. It wasn't designed to titillate women or arouse women. So I think a lot of what that was, was since there were the majority, I mean, and for a long time, the majority of anybody involved behind the scenes, it was men, you know, so it was like, we have to do this all to entice men, to arouse men. We're not doing this to arouse women. It's and the male gaze yeah, in hyperdrive. Exactly. So right. it's like we've, so we're going to do what's going to arouse a man. And we're not going to think so much about the woman because the woman is more the object. Because I think that's the way it can feel sometimes when you watch pornography is the woman, even if she's innocent, the second she gets that man that right man and the man that's the other thing i want to say really quickly and this is not i'm not trying to like put down any of these men or anyone working in this industry at all because i i think that happens too often and that's one of my big issues and we'll definitely talk about that but i think the men it doesn't matter how they look in this industry especially if they're well hung but it doesn't really matter as Ron much. Jeremy. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Ron yes. Jeremy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the women, it matters more because once again, they're trying to look more at enticing the men. So you will see that a woman in porn doesn't have as much of a discerning taste. <laughs> it's kind of like, okay, yes, yes, yes. And then she, even if she's innocent and she's the virgin, she turns into the slut in the bedroom kind of thing. And so that's why I think it's important to have women behind the camera and have women involved and we have women producing and have the woman who is also the one who is performing the performer also have some say in it. Because I know that for a lot of women, you know, there's been a lot of women in that industry who have been abused in that industry, who have been taken advantage of, who, of course, there's the big famous Tracy Lord's case. Um, so there is a lot of that there. 
So I think the more you have somebody, the more you have women involved in it, the more protection you will get for other women, I think. And where they're not just treated as holes, for lack of a better way to describe it, because that is kind of, I mean, even the way women sex on sex with women, like women sex scenes, women only sex scenes is very much from the male gaze. That's not necessarily like, this is the way women really have sex with each other. It's more like, this is what men fantasize women have sex with each other. Like, so, and, and I'm not saying like, I've watched a, a lot of male directed pornography. I mean, so I'm not saying that some of it can't be titillating for women, it's just, I think, eroticism and erotic movies and then movies that are and then pornography that's directed by women and written by women is a lot more enticing than the stuff written and directed by men. Personally, that's that's my personal feeling on it. But I, I know on our interview that air, that dropped on Wednesday in our live stream, we briefly talked about that, like Jenna Jameson, who. I'm sure everybody knows who Jenna Jameson is and how she was trying to get into that, into producing and to helping more behind the scenes. And I know a lot of those high up um, stars are trying to do that. So, yeah, I will be honest. I have not watched a porn film, pornography, porno in a long time. So I don't know how different it is now, but um, I've watched some erotic films. But to me, that's can be a little bit different. Um, but let's talk about our own personal relationship with pornography, because I know we've already talked a little bit about it, that we've, of course, all watched it and we like some of it. I'm assuming all of us do. Uh, so I just want to talk about sort of our relationship with it, like maybe even when we were first introduced to it, um, what we might like and what we don't like, because I just think that can be very different for women versus men. Pasha. One of the first ones I saw was uh, the when I was young was uh, New Wave Hookers, which was the one one of the ones with Tracy Lords in it. And so that was, but it was there were there have been a few different like huge innovations in porn technologically when things went from film where you had to go to a theater into VHS was a huge thing. As a matter of fact, they they Betamax was the uh, better technological feat as far as recorded video goes like that. But VHS won because in large part due to all a lot of pornography being produced on VHS. And then of course the internet has wiped out that whole industry entirely. Uh, when you go to sites like Pornhub or RedTube or something like that, um, of course it's free and it's, a lot easier and, and cheaper than buying VHSs. But yeah, my first experience was when I was just a teenager watching that specific porn. And they had, of course, the the very stereotypical, they had it was it was a weird thing in that they had a man playing their pet dog. And the only Asian woman was not allowed to have sex with men but she was allowed to have sex with the man who was being a dog and so right off the bat i was like wow that's (laughs) weird (laughs) but it was it was and it was a pretty intense it was it was pretty hardcore and so for being a teenager i was like whoa it introduced a lot of uh 
interesting concepts to me. <laughs> and, uh, and it was titillating. It was, I'm not going to lie. It was very titillating, which I think, um, surprised me somewhat. I thought I was going to be thoroughly grossed out, but I was secretly, secretly very, very titillated by it, but it was, it was pretty graphic, you know, and it was not, not the best thing for a teenager to be, to be a young teen to be watching. So yeah. that was my first experiences with porn. And Sasha. So I think as far as porn, like in the traditional VHS, which uh, Pasha, let's talk about dating ourselves there. Cause you know, anybody in their twenties is going to be like, I'm a sorry. What I Google that. What is that acronym? You know, talking about videotapes, kids, we're old. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but I think as far as actual porn video, I was probably 18 and we were, there was a group of guys that lived next door and on loop, they were playing the lesbian dating game. It didn't matter when you walked into their apartment that was on the TV in the background. It was just like background noise, the lesbian dating game all the time, 24 seven, didn't matter. That's what they had playing. Um, but I want to see, are we strictly talking film or book as well? It can, we can go into book or you can even go, cause I'm going to even talk about like penthouse and stuff right. like that. So you can even do that. Yeah. So right. I remember probably early high school. I don't think it was middle school. I think it was high school. Um, a friend was reading uh, like some romance novel and had found a very spicy scene and was sharing it like we were on the bus. And she's like, you have to read this. And I very clearly remember that the sex scene, this is going to get a little weird. So apologies, listeners. The sex scene was a guy using a Snickers bar to penetrate the woman and then eating the Snickers bar. And all I thought when I was, as a kid, all I thought was, I don't know that I want chocolate in there. Like that just seems not very hygienic, but that one thing stuck with me as like my first encounter with anything was a book so yeah not good again like pasha not a great image to have in a young brain that would cause probably serious infection depending on if anything got trapped in there sorry i'm I'm just just... snickers like i don't know are you and of course it's like a romance trashy romance novel so there's no like and we took a shower afterwards you know I don't know. Well, I'm just I'm very concerned. They say Snickers really satisfies. <laughs> right? I think that slogan came after the book. So maybe they had that's read the book. That's where they took it from. That's where right. That's exactly. From. Nailed it. Now we know how that came about. <laughs> that's, that's incredible. Uh, well, my first, first thing was we had a, we were like really young. Like I'm talking elementary junior high thing we had a kid in the neighborhood and he was kind of weird we always kind of thought I wonder if he turned into a serial killer I will be honest about that because he did some weird stuff but he had a collection of penthouse magazines and he I think he had playboy too but penthouse was his big thing and then a couple of others and I will never forget there was some magazine and it was a woman and like some and I guess it was it it must have been a dildo, but I but I didn't know because I was a young kid. I didn't know at that time. But it was some um 
like glass thing that this woman was penetrating herself with. And I just remember looking at that and being so uncomfortable with it. Actually, it wasn't enticing at all to me. It was very weird and it was very uncomfortable to, I mean, I'm a kid and frankly, I don't think little kids should be looking at this kind of stuff. I want to say that up front. This was not something that was okay. Uh, but that was my first introduction. And then later on when we got cable, it would be like when we were in high school, it'd be like, um, and I'm sure there are other people in my generation that know this, where you would have like the wavy lines, but you yep. would try to still watch the porn oh, yeah. there. And you'd be like, oh, this is just, we're just watching this to be funny. And then of course there was Skinamax, which, you know, everybody right. knows Skinamax. Mm -hmm. And so there were those yep. as well. And you would get together with your friends. See, this is the thing is that people think that guys are the only one who, who only ones who experiment with this was and this was a bunch of us girls and we would just watch these and be like he oh and i don't think any of us ever told each other if we thought it was arousing in any way or at all that was stuff we kept inside or at least i kept inside i've never talked to them and said hey did you find that arousing but it was <laughs> it was a lot of that and then right out of high school I was living in Boulder with my first roommate and we had a friend that he had tons of porn on VHS once again. And he's like, here, I'm gifting these three pornos to you. <laughs> he just gave us these three pornos. One was just entirely blowjobs. So that one was not a favorite because it's like, okay, I, this didn't really arouse much. And then there was another one that was like a military one. So it was all these women in the military. And that one had a lot of different kind of sex scenes. And then I can't remember what the third one was, but we had those for a long time. And I, and I think one of my roommates ended up taking them with her or we threw them out. I can't remember. So that was the first one as far as like owning any piece of pornography was that. And then later on, I remember winning something at a dance club where you got to go to one of those sex shops and buy like a, you know, it was actually a disc and you got, and it was like one of, it's like a choose your own adventure that you could play on the computer and decide what the sex scene would be. <laughs> that, that was amazing. That was pretty amazing. That's great. I want choose your own adventure porn. It was great, except for my computer was so slow that it would be like the sex scene would be rebooting constantly. So it was like, I was like, okay, well, I'm glad this was free and I didn't pay for this because it doesn't, it's not really doing anything. It's like right in the middle of it. And then it's like, okay, rebooting, rebooting. Um, <laughs> but I would say that was mine. And with romance novels, we used to go on road trips all the time and we oh, would yeah. make sure to grab a couple of romance novels and we would sit in the car and read them while we drove. And it was so much fun. And, but those were more like the ones that were written for women. So <laughs> with women in mind. Um, and they were so trashy, but so much fun. And we would just pick them up at some gas station or some grocery store in some town. We stopped in and we'd go around and each of us would take turns reading some some you know chapters and stuff. And that was a fun way to pass the time on road trips. So adults out there, if you're looking for a way to pass the time on a road trip, <laughs> I mean, Pasha, I don't know if you have any right now. Right? <laughs> That's what the internet is for. That's what the internet is for. I can find all kinds of stuff. Yeah, now you can do that. Now you don't have to have the paperback. But back then, you had to have the paperback. So, yeah. Somebody sent me a great link to, a, I don't know if it was a Reddit stream or something, and it was all um, Negan 
uh, written uh, fanfic. And man, that got raunchy. I was all like, oh, I bet. Whoa, this is shocking. And then, wait a minute, I need to read a little more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. Wait, read a little more. <laughs> Yeah, some, you know, I will say that really quickly. Some fanfic can be very extremely pornographic in nature. And I want to say that because a lot of fanfic is written by women. Because I want to say again, a lot of the reason I wanted to do this is I wanted to kind of peel back, um, you know, because I think there's still stigma attached to this. So kind of just erase that stigma that it's okay if you're a woman and you like pornography. I mean, yes, there can be unhealthy aspects to it, but I, it's okay. And I think women should feel less shame about this than they do. I've been to tons of strip clubs. I've had so much fun at strip clubs. I've been to strip clubs where I'm just with a bunch of men. Uh, and the men love it because a lot of the female strippers will come over and talk to me. And so the men are like, this is amazing. <laughs> Of course, most of the strippers yep. are ignoring them the whole time, but they'll come over to me and I, exactly. I, I've bought my male speaking, friends lap dance. as a former yeah. stripper, that's a great way to get extra tips is yeah. to just go and, and chat with the uh, lady that's with the guys and flirt around a little bit. And then you get tons more tips. No, that's that's I think that's a lot of why they become like I've been to tons of different places around here, some higher class than not. Uh, I have yet to be to to go to a male strip club, though, I will say, where men are dancing and stripping. And I've wanted to do that, but I have yet to do that. I don't. Has anyone else been to Sasha or Pasha? I haven't been to a like male strip club, but I ended up at, you know, bachelorette parties that had male strippers, but not an actual club. So I'll go with you. We need to wait for like the thunder down under to come or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, like that, you know. We can get some magic mic up in here. I'm in. Let's do it. Yes, we should definitely. And Pasha, if you want to come, Sasha and I are making plans to go to a male strip club together or to go see the thunder from down under if they come here or something like that. So just that would be fine. I mean, (laughs) having been a stripper myself, a lot of the magic is gone. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. but no, it's great fun to go and flirt and have fun and you know just, I uh, yeah, I think it's great fun. I I I mean, and like I said, it's it's I've never been to a male strip club, so that sounds like fun me to either. me. None of us have, so we have to go together okay. and do that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I I will yeah, say. Keep in mind though that almost all the male strippers, like in real life, are gay. I don't care, <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> totally fine it's, it's better fine. that way yeah exactly exactly, right? it's, exactly. I, know, I mean who cares i have i have friends that have celebrity crushes and they get all excited when they you know and i'm all like what like they, if they meet you in real life they're gonna be like so amazed by you that yeah um yeah i think i mean like i love matt bomer and you know he's gay but i love watching him in magic mike so hey that's what i mean i'm perfectly fine with that and i want to say about magic mike I remember going to see the first one in the theater and it was an event women like dressed up and acted like they were going out clubbing and it was incredible. And there was one guy in the theater, one guy came in the theater with um, another woman. And I remember all the women started, started cheering. So have I told you my magic Mike two story? No. 
Okay, so I was with two friends, two girlfriends, and we were going up to Red Rocks. We were going to go see, I don't, maybe The Princess Bride. It was one of the film on the rocks. I can't remember which one it was. And we drove up thinking we could just buy tickets there. Mm-hmm. They were sold out, so we couldn't do it. So we're like, oh, man, what are we going to do? We could go out to dinner and we're like, well, Magic Mike XXL is playing, so let's go. And it had been out for a while. So it wasn't like it was going to be a packed theater. We were the only three people in the theater for the second showing. And we were like laughing. We were dying. We were cheering and clapping and laughing because it was just the three of us. So it wasn't, and it was just on a whim. It was the most fun. We, my cheeks and stomach hurt the next day from laughing so hard, but it was just fun, you know? So yes, we need to, yeah, it's just entertainment, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and it I doesn't know, matter if they're straight, if they're gay. I, I'm not planning on sleeping with any of these people, ever. <laughs> they're just pretty to look at. It's like, I can go look at a shiny car and not have to buy it. Exactly. I mean, men do this all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so. You can go go window shopping. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it. It's it's a lot of fun. I know a lot of people were disappointed in the first one because they're like, this has too much story in it and there's not enough about stripping. And the second one, that's why I think the second one, they just made it like much more about that. And of course, everybody knows Channing Tatum used to do that. So that's so that helped a lot, I think, with how uh, good that fun and entertaining Mm -hmm. those dance scenes were. I mean, some of those dance scenes are incredible. And I think the second one is better because it's just all out. It's just goes for it. And it's just so much fun and it's funny and it's ridiculous. And how sad are you that any convenience store you've been in, there has not been an epic dance scene in that convenience (laughs) store. Like, let's be real. I know. It's heartbreaking. (laughs) I agree. I agree. I, I think agree. every convenience store should come with a stripping dance scene. It would make it so much more fun. I totally, I totally agree. That would be a blast. And then really quickly, before we move on to feminism and how it relates to this, because I think that's very important to talk about. I want to know, um, there was the movie Showgirls, of course, and Striptease that came out at the same time. And I want to know... Do you like either of those movies, Pasha? And then I'll ask you, Sasha. Not really, just mostly because of the acting. <laughs> well, More than anything else, you know, um, it was it was pretty pretty atrocious. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty stereotyped and not not great, but um, mostly because of the acting more than anything else. And it was very unrealistic for the actual industry. And that's what I had a little more issue of. If you're going to make a movie about the industry then try to at least be partially accurate. Yeah. Do you think really quickly before I get to you, Sasha, do you think there are any movies that do portray that industry accurately? I can't think of any real like mainstream movies. I can, I can think of some art house flicks. And of course I don't remember the titles, but there have been a few art house flicks that there was one we went to see um, at the Aztec theater that was, I was like, whoa, this is actually what we do. This is actually what happens. And, um, and that, was, that was a really great one. And it was about um, a woman who was a sex worker and she was a lesbian and having to go to work and then having to do, um, I know we're allowed to get graphic on the show, having to do a threesome with another woman and a client and the other woman was straight. And she's like, 
oh, come on. I mean, this is all acting. I mean, do you think I would actually enjoy being with another woman? And of course, <laughs> in real life, she was a lesbian. And it was, it was actually kind of, kind of, hmm. it was, they were bored a lot of the time sitting around work. And I'm like, that, that sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. Sasha. So did you see showgirls and strip and uh, strip tease? And then you can also talk about hustlers. Have you seen that? Um, so I did see them. I think I saw them once and they weren't memorable enough for me to tell you anything. So clearly not impressed because I don't have anything for either one of them at all. I'm trying to think it's really bad. Yeah. I don't think neither one of them left an impression on me. And I don't, I don't know that I saw hustlers. You should. It's good. It's actually who's in really that good. one? Jennifer Lopez is the most famous one in it, and it's about these strippers who they end up um, like it's a real. It's based on a uh-huh. real story, and they would um, take money from all these men. Would give them all this money, mm-hmm. and they just started kind of. Yeah, I don't think like I saw that one. Hustle. It's good. It's good. Jennifer okay. Lopez is actually really good in that movie. So yeah, I'll and I, and one. I think. That one's important as far as that goes, because that is directed by a woman. So the way it's shot is really nice. It's not shot like to titillate a man. I don't, I don't think at least, I think it's sexy. I think it starts out very sexy and there are some very sexy scenes in it, but it's not all about that kind of thing. So, yeah. And I, you know, Showgirls is a cult classic now. Showgirls has a cult following, I think it has, it's a cult classic. Like it has a following. Oh yeah. So, so for real. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Do I need to watch this again? Am I being yes, too critical? I think you should. It's not a good movie. It's not in by any means a good movie, but okay. a lot of cult movies, not necessarily great movies. I mean, I think it became that because it was, I mean, it was a box office failure. It was a flop. This was supposed to launch Elizabeth. What was her last name? you know, the woman from Saved by the Bell. So it was supposed to launch her more adult career and doing more adult-themed films. Not adult, adult, like pornography, but more like getting into that world. And of course, it's Paul Verhoeven and you've got all this, and he's known for doing this kind of stuff. And of course, you've got, I mean, it's famous for the sex scene with her and um, Kyle McLaughlin's character in the swimming pool and she's like flopping around like a fish. And <laughs> it's known for that scene. There's a lot of other really iffy stuff in there. Clearly, Gershon I need to go back. Is, Gina Gershon, I think, is I love her in this movie, honestly. She's like the right, right. bad girl. <laughs> yeah. So that was, I mean, so it has. It has a cult following now. And some people will defend it and say it's actually a lot. And I think it's a fun movie. I remember it was so exciting to see it because it was in C17. And so it was exciting yeah. at that age because I was like, oh, I can go see this. And I remember seeing it with my friend and there weren't very many people in the theater. And there was one guy by himself in a trench coat, swear to God. And we were like, okay, this is very disturbing. <laughs> we <listen here> this, <laughs> this movie's going. Uh, but I mean, I haven't watched it in years, but I think yeah. it's. I think it's kind of fun. I mean, it's not, I'm sure it's, I mean, you know, it's not accurate, but it's just... <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. My the funniest scene I think from that for me personally was when she was dancing for Kyle McLaughlin for the first time, and he um, 
finishes. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, but not really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. There's a lot of those kind of classic scenes. Yeah, there in, are. <laughs> in that movie. And a lot of questionable other things in that movie, of course, but yeah, it has become that striptease. I've, kind of forget about except for that it was Demi Moore and it was like her big thing and it was really kind of a comedy and everything like that and Showgirls I think was trying to be serious when really it should have gone in more for the camp and I think that's why people like it now because they recognize the campiness of it so yeah and that was when Kyle MacLachlan was like he was like the big thing he was the big it guy (laughs) back then uh, yeah. Okay. So I want to get into feminism. Erin, uh, before you Sorry. move on, real quick, Showgirls looks like it might be on Hulu and maybe Prime. Okay. Okay. So I'll look and see if it's on Prime <laughs> because I don't have Hulu. So. Okay. Well, then you should definitely watch it again. I've been tempted to watch it again just to see what I think of it since yeah. I haven't seen it in years and see what the campiness, you know, since it is a cult classic now, consider that. So yeah, it does have that following. Okay, well, I want to talk about feminism and how feminism treats sex workers, because I think this is important because, you know, I think this is a big issue within feminism because a lot of feminists do not support sex workers, frankly, and a lot of feminism does not. They don't think that this is there's any feminism to this. They don't think it's feminist to do this. They look down on sex workers while at the same time saying they're trying to not do that, but it's not true. So I want to talk about that. Uh, Pasha, what are your views on the way feminism treats sex workers? Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of first wave feminists absolutely do not support sex work and sex workers. They think the entire system about sex work and pornography is a male-dominated misogynistic system and so on and so forth. And it's just designed to use women. And then a lot of women, especially third-wave feminists, um, say, no, it's my body, my choice. If it's my body, my choice about other choices I make, then it's my body, my choice about how I make a living. And what people don't understand is that it's just a job. And I say that at the end of a lot of my speaking engagements, it's just a job. It's not a statement on feminism or not. It's just that in today's climate, in a a situation where women are paid less than men and men also are sex workers, you know, that's a thing because um, I think that, you know, right now with wage disparity and other socioeconomic issues going on, a lot of people feel I have no choice but to turn to sex work to pay their bills and to pay the rent and to, to manage their finances. And if that's what they choose to do, uh, you shouldn't look down on them. If they are doing survival sex work, maybe make better choices, vote for better people in systems that will allow us to make those larger socioeconomic changes. But in the meantime, I know plenty of sex workers that choose to be sex workers because they want to be sex workers. Given other choices, they would still be a sex worker. And that's fine. That's entirely up to them. It doesn't mean that they have mental health issues. It doesn't mean that they have daddy issues. It means that that's what they're choosing to do for work as a vocation. Um, people I know get very frustrated with me because I'm not a huge fan of our vice president, but she co-wrote and promoted SESTA-FOSTA. 
And SESTA-FOSTA was intended to be an anti-trafficking law to help shield and protect uh, sex trafficking victims, especially children. Uh, what it has turned into, unfortunately, is um, uh, a situation where it's taken away the means by which sex workers can have control over their own vocation. So they can't, can't uh, book any longer on uh, Facebook or, or not even Facebook, but like Craigslist or anything like that. They can't book their gigs anymore and have control over what clients they see, how long they see them, how much money they make. And because all of that is illegal, many of them have had to turn back to the street and go back to the pimps and go back to the dangerous situations. And so this law that was supposed to be created uh, in large part by our, our current vice president has, has actually harmed sex workers in a, in a very real way. I actually personally know of a young woman that used to work with me who uh, is now in Atlanta and had a best friend that also worked with her. And the best friend called me to let me know that she had to turn back to the street and she got a bad gig who beat her up so badly she lost an eye. So personally, this affects me in such a dramatic way. And it just pisses me off so much that people don't recognize that these laws, they need to be more careful about who it affects. What really would help sex workers more than anything else and also human trafficking victims would be to decriminalize sex work not legalize, just decriminalize it, right? Because if it's if it's legalized, that means it can be illegalized. So for instance, if you are required to do monthly checkups with a doctor in order to stay legal, but you're a woman living in a trailer in a very rural area without transportation and you can't get to a doctor every month, then all of a sudden you're illegal and can be, and can be jailed for that. Uh, our nonprofit organization has worked a lot around sex worker rights. A couple of years ago, three years ago, we passed a law in Colorado that made it illegal for law enforcement to have sex with people within their custody or, or people they're investigating to be in their custody. Because unfortunately, there was a police department that was having sex with sex workers, then arresting them, taking all their money and everything, and uh, legally at that time, they could have used that experience as testimony against the sex worker in court. So there are so many issues around sex worker rights. Oh my gosh, I could do a whole show just on that alone. But as far as feminine, fem, uh, you know, feminism goes, a lot of the third wave feminists are extremely supportive of sex workers. Uh, they're supportive of creating a different system so that people don't have to do survival sex work. And I don't even like that term because technically any job can be quote unquote survival. So you could be a survival attorney or because that's your job or a survival cashier or a survival podcaster, you know, and that's, that's your vocation. You do it in part anyway to survive as do sex workers. But the flip side of that coin is a lot of people do turn to sex work because it is the only way to get by especially with child sex workers. It's not what people think. There aren't windowless vans driving around, you know, suburbs trying to steal little white babies, you know? It's mostly teenagers and young people that have run away and meet up with their peers or get taken in by an unscrupulous trafficker. 
and seduced into it. And then they too turn to survival sex work to have a roof over their heads because working at McDonald's is not going to meet their needs. Um, gosh, even trans sex workers, a lot of them have great jobs, but their insurance will not cover their meds. And so on the weekends, they go work a night or two at the truck stop in order to make enough money for their meds. And it shouldn't have to be that way. Um, we need to support sex workers. Feminists need to realize that if they want to make a real difference in these women's lives, they need to support our human rights and not look down on us and be disparaging and kind of have this double standard of it's your body, your choice, and then accept when it comes to sex. <laughs> we will definitely at some point, if Pasha is game and up for it, we will definitely at some point have to do just a whole episode with just Pasha talking about <laughs> sex worker rights. No, I'm serious because I think it's very yeah. important and it, and it goes into media and it goes into entertainment. So I think it's very important to talk about that because yeah. like we, we were even briefly mentioning this on our um, interview and our live stream yesterday and one of our viewers did mention and because I had said this too that you know feminism that doesn't include sex workers is not feminism and I think that's that's very true because it's it's and that's a problem with with feminism I think I think especially like you said first wave feminists and and a lot of people that were you know fighting for rights for women's rights in like the sixties and stuff like that. It was very much fighting against this and you would still see a lot of protests like, and it still happens, you know, oh, like yeah. when we were talking about um, American psycho, when we talked about that movie, what was interesting at that time was there were huge swaths of protests around that movie because they didn't like how it portrayed women and how women were the victims where I really wanted to argue and say, did any of you actually see this movie? Because, <laughs> because of the fact that this movie, number one, directed by a woman, number two, written by a woman. I know the book wasn't, but the screenplay was. And so if you were to actually watch that movie, you would see that really what that movie is an attack on is men. It is not an attack on women. Mm -hmm. It's an attack on men. It's an attack on the eighties. It's an attack on greed. And that movie is not, meant to titillate that and except for you know people might be titillated by christian bale in that movie because he looks <laughs> incredible in that shower scene and in the <laughs> scene so you know that's the only time the camera is kind of used is to titillate us with his body so i you know so this stuff still happens where i think too often, uh, and I think it can still happen in this gen, in the new generation as well, but not so as much. But I think too often people think if it's anything that's sexual or sexualized, or a woman is shown in a sexual light or sexual way, or she's shown having sex, that that's automatically a no-no and wrong, and that's just not true. And sometimes it can be very educational. Sometimes it can help relationships. Sometimes women are turned on by that stuff too. So it's not just men that are turned on by this stuff. Um, and also, of course, trans women have to be included in feminism. And a lot of times trans women are not included in feminism. There is, of course, you know, all that those horrible people that really are against trans women and trans rights 
And, you know, of course, um, JK Rowling, of course, is one of the biggest ones on out there. So I just thought it was very important to, to talk about that. And I, and I, and Sasha, I'm sorry, do you have anything you want to add to that? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to like, no, you're totally fine. I actually want to ask Pasha, just because you have so much experience in the sex worker world. Um, I've seen a big, I recently um, joined TikTok mostly because there's a lot of random stuff on there, but somehow I ended up on some side. Well, I'm really on the lesbian side of TikTok, which is amazing because they're all fantastic and hysterical content creators. Um, but I keep getting these people who are promoting sniffer and other things where basically you wear underwear or socks or stockings and send them out <laughs> and they consider oh, yeah. it sex work. Absolutely. So does that fall yes. under sex work? Yeah. And then there's another thing where people are sending pictures of their feet to people. And so I'm just oh, wondering yeah. what, like, does it all, if it's going to somebody who's going to use it for sexual gratification purposes, is it automatically sex work? Because I think that's confusing for a lot of people where they think sex work and they think, oh, right. it's a hooker, you know, they're doing the deed and that's what makes sex work. Like some people don't consider strippers right. sex workers because they're not actually having, right. You have to have sex to be a sex worker. And I just want to get clarification because I think anything yeah. that goes out could be deemed sex work. And I think if the average suburban housewife knew that she could walk around all day in her underwear and mail them to somebody for oh, yeah. $45, she'd be like, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. right? I could get a little extra yeah. income on the side because I could wear a pair of underwear I could wear stockings and that I can ship out two items every day, you know? Mm -hmm. So it, it's just interesting to me what people deem. And I do agree like with the pearl clutching. Oh my God. Like it, I'm of the, it, it's your body. You do what you want, sweetheart. I'm more power to yeah. you. And apparently, you know, there's a lot of things out there where people are making bank and they're wearing underwear. Well, I think that, First of all, which, which rule is it that anything on the internet can be is somebody's kink? So mm -hmm. literally anything could be somebody's kink. I can tell you from personal experience, having been a former madam for years, the number one request we had by far was feet, was foot fetishes, shrimping, everything from just wearing high heels to painted toes to some really weird, weird stuff. Okay, all weird stuff. But feet were by far the biggest thing, uh, followed by milks. And then even um, bigger women. And believe it or not, the Barbie blondes were like way down the list, probably like seventh or eighth as far as requests go. Um, I can tell you that, that uh, BBWs were in higher demand than the Barbie blondes. And I think a lot of that goes to what is considered taboo. And, uh, but as far as, as far as, yeah, feet are a big deal. Stockings, even like you said, panties. I mean, obviously scent is considered one of the most triggering senses we have. And I definitely think it's sex work. I mean, honestly, they're not just going to be sniffing those panties. They're going to be doing all kinds of things, with those panties. So um, it's definitely sex work. I know I can't think of a stripper that I know that does not admit that what they do is sex work. Um, any dancer. And 
I would say about half and half as far as my burlesque performer friends. Some of them consider it an art. Some of them consider it sex work and art. And I kind of go with the latter. At the end, if, if, if your big showstopper is, you know, stripping down to a G-string and pasties and making your boobs swing in opposite directions, first of all, that's great talent. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say, that is it's, skill. It's yeah. yeah, right. Um, but um, somebody taught me the trick to that. It was kind of funny. And then I have another friend who is, believe it or not, 61, 62 years old who is a phenomenal burlesque performer, has a body of a 22-year-old. It's disgusting, but gravity works. And she told me, put makeup on your nipples and put your pasties just above your nipples, and no one knows <laughs> from on stage, <laughs> which cracked me up. But, um, but I mean, um, yeah, I think sex work is definitely stripping, dancing, I, I think a lot of burlesque is, is, is sex work. And I think that people need to quit, you know, like you said, clutching their pearls, getting their panties all in a twist about what is sex work and what is not, because being sexy is not a crime. Making a living off of being sexy is, I mean, look at any of our advertising on TV. Yes. Look at juicy fruit commercials for goodness sake. Um, it's just all it's our economy is based off of sex sex sells sex makes money it's when we get all uptight about it and in denial about it and judgmental about it because of all these crazy white male judeo-christian values that are projected onto everybody else that's when i think people you know because everyone looks at porn everybody has read the novels, romance novels, all the way up to the kinky novels when all that stuff was illegal. Everyone has looked at Betty Page pictures. Everybody's looked at all, you know, checked it all out. The pinup girls all the way, you know, that were on, you know, the nose cones of planes all the way. It's, it's, it's pervasive through our society, but what's also pervasive through our society is this crazy judgmental system against it. And so if people will just admit that they had, I mean, come on, who, who nowadays does not know what, you know, how at least five different porn channels on the internet, you know? So, and they'll, and they'll lie and say, oh no, I never, oh yeah, you did. <laughs> and something else is that women even enjoy it. I do have issue with a lot of the, the victimization that comes through right now. There is a lot of really violent content out there really violent and I think I have met women who get turned on by it, some of it so it's not just men and if it is taken as role play that's one thing but unfortunately there are a lot of guys that use this stuff and take it to another level they use and it as a how-to manual yeah and, and women too there was a woman oh, yeah. who who uh got involved with a guy. She had seen a lot of violent porn. She was really into it, really into the BDSM thing. And they had made a contract that he would torture her to death. I'm sure you know about this one, Erin, since you're a true crime person. And so she did. She went to him and she was tortured to death. And is it a murder then? You know, it's, it's, kind, of, it's, it's kind of crazy how things are going. So it's not just men, it's women also. Uh, but 
I mean, it's, it's, it depends on how seriously you take it. If you just look at it as role play, like most porn is, I mean, come on. How many people really have the pizza guy knock on their door and vouch it? Wow, wow, there it goes. I mean, it's all kind of role play. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it is how you take it. But um, uh, so, so, I mean, but as far as what is sex work and what is not, basically, according to the law, uh, if you have a sexual encounter with someone that, uh, this is the federal law, that basically results in sexual gratification uh, and you use that in trade for goods or money, technically that's sex work. Um, a lot of it is legalized in a lot of places. Stripping is legalized. There are some states where it's county by county, whether or not it is or not. And it's also county by county, how much you can take on or off. When I was a dancer back in college, they changed the law. And in my county, Cleveland County in Oklahoma, yeehaw, um, it was full bottoms and pasties. And, oh, we were pissed because the next county over, Oklahoma County, where Oklahoma City was, um, it was pasties and G-strings. And G-strings, not, not full bottoms. And so everybody was going to one county over because it showed a little more ass. And, um, yeah, so it, it, it's 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 bizarre the way that that we use sex to sell everything and at the same time we're so judgmental and and also condescending of women not of the men not so much of the clients and the customers yeah. it's perfectly seems like perfectly okay for men to go to a strip bar but the women are sluts you know and i think a lot of women in pornography how they're portrayed and eroticism and in general, in entertainment, they're either sluts or saints. Mm -hmm. They kind of fall within those one of two categories in the end. And uh, um, unless you're the hooker with a heart, which really irritates me because that in itself is a, is a, is a trope that can be very hurtful. But yeah, so that, so that's, that basically answers that question. I think that racism is as big of an issue, if not bigger, in pornography than feminism, um, for sure. I mean, as far as real world fetishization, even when I was a little girl, the fetishizing was already there for Asians. And so, and for, for Black women, for any person of color, it's, it's a completely um, different kind of situation, I think, for, for different ethnicities and races versus as far as the production of pornography goes as them feminism. Mm -hmm. I'm done. <laughs> no, that was awesome. That was awesome. Thank you so much, Pasha. Seriously. Thank you so much. Um, and I do want to do an episode in the future. It probably won't be this year, but maybe next year we can do like an interview or sit down and talk about sex worker rights and talk about this in even greater detail. And just because I think it's very important and I think it's very important to talk about it and to talk about all aspects of it because, you know, it's, it's a part of life and it's just there. And it's, you know, we, like you said, Pasha, it's, been there since the dawn of time so it's not going anywhere and it can be healthy as long as it's consensual um 
you know, I, I do think, and we'll get into it in a minute here. I do think there can be those aspects like you touched on a little bit, Pasha, where there can be unhealthy sides to it for sure. And there can be people. Yes, <laughs> you can go ahead, Pasha. <laughs> I was just going to say, Sasha, feet are where it's at. I have a friend who, who uh, has her pinky toe and ring finger toe, I guess, fused. And she makes so much money just taking pictures of her weird little feet. And, wow. and she's a teacher. And it's just kind of funny because she makes more money taking a couple pictures a week of her feet than she does teaching. So feet are a thing. You're a thing. <laughs> yeah. That, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, and I, I think I was watching some documentary the other day about OnlyFans, you know, and that's a big thing now. And a lot of people are making money that way. And that became a huge during the um, lockdowns, during um, quarantine OnlyFans, because people were making bank during that time, I guess. Um, And I know there were some in there that they were, I mean, there were some people they were talking to that were talking about that, the feet thing and stuff. And, and I know there were some people that were very upset because, um, God, what is her name? Bella, Bella, um, what's her last name? The, the actress and she became part of OnlyFans and a lot of people were upset about that. So it's, so yeah, I mean, it is something I think that, uh, a lot of people, a, a lot of people that you may not suspect or, you know, your own preconceived notions of what a sex worker looks like or who gets into sex work, that a lot of that can be shattered, I think, by the reality. So, uh, yeah. If and, and- I did not have very recognizable, distinct feet due to tattoo, I would totally sell pictures of my feet. <laughs> I'd be in, but I have very distinct recognizable. Yeah. I'd Somebody I know it. would end up with it and I would just be mortified. <laughs> do it. Do it. See, don't be mortified. Just be like, you're just jealous that you're not making the money. <laughs> I'm telling you, girl, do it. <laughs> your feet become your biggest asset i mean and then there are other people that are like i can't like yeah. someone was recently started watching you know queers folk which is of course my favorite show and they were like why do they keep showing feet so much in this show it's bothering me <laughs> but this person was bothered by it <laughs> well and that's the problem is i'm not a fan of feet like i know people love feet and stuff but i was always the person like if i got into a hot tub or swimming pool or I was next to people you cannot touch my feet feet can't touch wet feet can't touch like don't go anywhere near my feet if you have a thing for toes I am not your girl like stay away from feet it's not okay so it would be really funny if I sold pictures of my feet because I'm so anti-foot it would just be hysterical it could fund my travel there you go see can fund your your summer travel I need to consider this (laughs) thanks Pasha thanks (laughs) <laughs> well the more distinct your feet are the more you know the more That's true. you know you could be a big star and and because it's so taboo even if people recognize your feet they're not going to say anything because then they're going to be you're going to say oh really huh where did you find pictures of my feet huh huh, huh? very so good um, mm-hmm. but but yeah i mean you don't have to have pretty feet you don't have to have you know it, it i mean shrimping is a really big deal and shrimping can be really gross 
I had a client once that was into shrimping. It was really, really, really good. But above and beyond that, I mean, what is considered pornography? Um, Tarantino has a huge foot fetish. Feet are in yeah, almost all his mm-hmm. movies. Put this, put that. And even in, um, what's the vampire one, Aaron? Oh, From she, Dust Till Dawn. From Dust Till Dust Dawn. Till Dawn. Mm-hmm. And then you have Selma Hayek there pouring tequila yep. down her leg and he drinks it off her toes. How is that not pornography? I mean, you know that there were people who got off of that immediately in the theater, okay? And um, so I don't see how that's any different than, to me, that's sexier and more pornographic. Even though I don't have a foot fetish, I think the whole scene is sexier and more pornographic than, or erotic, I should say, than a lot of the other things I've seen. So, you know, <laughs> it's all perspective, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I was just rewatching from Dust Till Dawn the other day because I needed a George Clooney fix. And I actually love that movie. I used to have the cutout of George Clooney holding a gun pointed at me in my bedroom. So that's how much I loved that movie. <laughs> and well, it's just George Clooney, as everybody knows. I love George Clooney. Um, but yeah, I, and I think he's a incredibly sexy in that movie. I think that movie has some incredibly sexy scenes, but I think he's incredibly sexy in that because I have a thing for tattoos. Don't worry, Sasha, I'm not going to be buying your, your, your feet pictures because I don't have a thing for feet. So, <laughs> but he has that, you know, great neck tattoo in that. And that's just, that's like yeah. this, one of the sexiest tattoos. I know it's not real. I wish it was real. One of the sexiest tattoos I have ever seen on a man was that tattoo. Yeah. So. I get that. I have a tattoo thing too. Well, and I want to talk briefly about eroticism versus pornography because I think there is a difference. We were talking, Sasha and I were talking briefly before we started about um, the Showtime show Red Shoe Diaries, which I think could fall more in the eroticism realm than the pornography realm. And that was more like mainstream Everybody kind of watched that thing. And I remember I worked at Blockbuster Video at the time. And Blockbuster Video is known for the fact that they would never, ever rent anything that was rated NC-17. So, like, for instance, with Showgirls, when they did Showgirls, when that came out on video, they had to make a unrated or rated R version of that in order to rent it at Blockbuster. So we used to tell people, go to another video store if you want <laughs> has any kind of good content like that but one of our highest renters would be anything that was considered more erotic or softcore anything like that and red shoe diaries was definitely one of those that got rented like instantly plus david duchovny was in it and david duchovny x-files was so big at that time so it was like anything with him in it um you know sold and rented uh and i think we've lost posh a little bit so i think i'm gonna skip to you Sasha because it's loaded. Okay. So Sasha, do you agree that there is a difference between I do. pornography and how would you kind Yeah, of I do. That? So I like you said, I think there's a difference between like softcore hardcore. Um I think that there are a lot of things and a lot of shows, movies, books, all of that that are very erotic and borderline porn. Like they there are some pretty hot sex scenes out there and a lot of things. Um, but you don't, you don't get up close and personal and all up in somebody's business like you do in a lot of porn. And Mm -hmm. I think that kind of makes the difference. Um, also, 
And again, this is just my perspective. So please don't come at me, people. But I think that a lot of the softer, more erotic, where it leaves a little bit more is nice. And it, it might just be because I'm a woman. So I'm way more in my head. Um, I also prefer, like, I like to read books. So a lot of the books I read, you know, like the typical werewolf porn, vampire porn, fairy porn, all the smut, or like we were talking fan fiction. You know, I like my pornography, air quotes, erotic readings, smut, whatever you want to call it. I like it in text form. So I prefer reading it. Um, don't get me wrong. I will watch movies that have great sex scenes. I would watch a porn. It's fine. But I prefer my content more that way um, because I like to picture it in my head. Because I have certain images in my head for things. That's why, like, when you read a book and then you see the movie and you're like, but that's not how they look. They're, you're ruining my image. So <laughs> that's just kind of my thing. But I do think that there's a definite difference between something that's just purely erotic and sensual and sexy and then porn. And it is that softcore, hardcore kind of dichotomy. Yeah, I totally agree. Pasha, do you have any thoughts on that with eroticism versus pornography? Hmm. Well, I think both are, are groovy. <laughs> to me, pornography is more like, I, I hate to be, I'm going to be crass about it and just, just about getting to that angle fairly quickly. <laughs> mm -hmm. Whereas eroticism is more like a slow burn. Um, and so um, to me, erotic literature is, is great. I love it. And there's a whole website, Literotica, that's just, all, you know, all every kink you could possibly be into, including romantics, you know, monogamous, what people would consider vanilla is on there. And I think that to me, that feels more like eroticism than porn like you would get off of most websites right now where they go, where it's just clips of just the hardcore part, just going in and getting it done. And to me, that's the difference. It's, it's more of the goal of do you want to be titillated over time versus just, you know, the quick David Bowie, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. <laughs> and there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with either. I think they're both great. Yeah, I, I completely agree with everything Pasha and Sasha have said. Um, I think, you know, like, I think there are scenes in movies that aren't necessarily even erotic movies overall, like back to George Clooney. I think the sex scene in out of sight is one of the hottest, sexiest sex scenes in any movie ever. And you don't really see hardly anything. It's just cutting back and forth between George Clooney's character and Jennifer Lopez's character, who they had the most incredible chemistry and you see them talking about and fantasizing about what if we met under different circumstances, I'm not a bank robber and you're not a federal agent. You're not, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it cuts from that to them up in, I think it's his hotel room or up in a hotel room. It doesn't matter. And watching them sort of there across the room from each other and they're slowly taking their own clothes off. And there's something so, erotic about it and so sexy about it because they're both drinking each other in and they're both aroused by each other and you can plainly see that and not in a pornographic way more in a 
oh my God, you're just, I just want you and I desire you and I like you. There's also a lot of this like there and a lot of this, you know, leading to love thing, emotion you can see there in that scene. And that's why I think it's so sexy. And you never see the actual sex scene in that scene. It's just all about what leads up to that and the way it's shot, the music, uh, the camera, and this is done by a man, but it's still very sensual and very sexy and very easy as a woman to be aroused by that. And not just because George Clooney, <laughs> although personally that's a big part of it is because it is George Clooney for me, but it still is a very, very sexy scene and done that way. And I think, you know, for instance, the show Queer as Folk, which I mention here all, all the time, that to me is a very, very sexually arousing show. I love that show for many, many reasons. But I will say as a woman, being able to watch a show where the camera treats the man and men in this show. I mean, yes, there is a lesbian couple. I don't think they're handled very well. That's the big criticism I have of my show. My favorite show is they don't handle that very well. But with the men in this show, you are looking at men the way women have been looked at for centuries and it's pretty incredible. I mean, I've mentioned it before, but one of the first scenes you see in the show is you see the character of Brian Kinney or Brian Sex on Legs Kinney is what I like to call him. And he is, the he is, I think, probably one, I think Gail Harold is one of the most attractive men I have ever seen in my life. Um, just absolutely just hands down. And there is a scene where he's standing there and he's pretty much naked and he's got this bottle of water and he dumps it on his head and you see the slow, like he shakes his head. It's, you know, it's slow motion. This is something you would only normally see a woman do. And it's meant to arouse. It's meant to titillate you. And I think the reason so many women love this show is because of the fact that you get to sit there and be titillated as a woman. And yes, I mean, yes, this was, I mean, I think a lot of the people that created this show, um, a lot of people were like, okay, we're just going to have a lot of gay men that are going to watch this show. When it turned out that it was a lot more straight women that ended up watching this show because of that very fact. I think that was a big part of it. And, um, that to me is erotic. That's some eroticism there. There was a lot of storyline and everything like that. And I think that also can be a difference sometimes is that with eroticism, you get more storyline there sometimes, and you'll get more romance, um, seduction. Um, it's not just wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. It's a lot more detailed than that. You might have a lot, I mean, and porn has long sex scenes. I'm not saying porn doesn't have long sex scenes because they do, but you'll get a lot more foreplay um, and a lot more of that stuff. And definitely reading. I think the reason erotic stories are so nice, like you said, Sasha, I echo that because you can picture it in your head. And so whatever picture you want to have in your head, if you want this person to look this certain way, then they'll look that way. Um, you know, I think the supernatural fandom has some of the best, excuse me, some of the best fanfic writers out there. And there are some that I have read over and over again because I love the story. And then I love, on top of it, the way the sex scenes are written. 
And uh, like I've mentioned before, I mean, I, I like BDSM stuff. So I think one of the best fanfics ever written out there is this fanfic called The Kinks. And it's very accurate. It's not shaming. And it's incredibly hot. If you are into that stuff, if you're not into that stuff, you're not going to like this fanfic because, yeah, because you just won't. You'll be like, how in the world can anyone find this at all sexy? Uh, but that's a Dean and Cass fanfic. And uh, once again, I recommend it because I think it's it's very well written, especially if you're into BDSM stuff. It's just, it's incredible. And I've read that one a few times. So yeah. And I've read other ones that are just really poorly written and not very well done and not at all arousing. Uh, but maybe they're arousing other people. I don't know. Cause everybody has their own kinks. And like you said, Pasha who can't hear me right now, but like Pasha said a while ago, you know, everyone will find a kink for themselves out there. Everyone will find something out there. Um, well, I want to end, I, it's not necessarily the most positive note to end this on, but I want to just talk about just briefly, we've sort of mentioned it a little bit, but you know, I think porn and eroticism and consuming it can be healthy, but there can be unhealthy sides to it, of course. Um, you know, like we mentioned in the beginning, very briefly with uh, like as far as like the biggest famous one, of course, is Tracy Lords, who was underage when she did a lot of the films she first initially did. She, of course, is one of those rare cases where even though she was still thought of in that light I think she broke out and did a lot of more quote-unquote mainstream stuff of course she was in a lot of John Waters films because John Waters this is why someday we are going to cover John Waters on here I finally found someone who loves John Waters so it's finally gonna happen you do too Pasha thank you I'm like nobody loves John Waters I'm like I'm the only one who loves John Waters love John Waters yes and John Waters embraces like the weird people and the freakiest people. And he was so fundamental, I think, to getting um, Tracy Lords to be accepted by people because he doesn't give a shit, basically. I mean, he's like, I love you. I love you for being weird and out there. Yes, I'm glad finally because I'm like, nobody that's ever on this show likes John Waters. <laughs> I Good. love John Waters. I love Divine. I love all of it. Yes, please, more. <laughs> good, good. Because we did have that on the schedule. We were going to be talking about John Waters this year. And I took it off because no one had signed up. But I'm going to definitely do it next time because I also know someone else who's been on here who does another podcast. And she's going to have me on sometime later this year to talk about John Waters on her podcast. So I'm very excited because I'm like, when we did our cult episode, I remember I mentioned John Waters and everybody's like, yeah, I don't like him. I don't like him. I don't like him. I'm like, how can you not like him if you like cult films? But I mean, I love you all that love the cult films because Sasha was on that one. <laughs> I'm just not familiar enough with his stuff. That's all. Okay, I don't have a love familiar. or hate. I just, I don't know what he's done to be like, woohoo. So I actually just Googled him. I was like, oh, yeah. I like some of those movies. <laughs> and he's just so, he's yeah. just an awesome human being. He's just a really awesome human being. So I just, that's why I definitely also want to cover him. But I want to talk about. Even, the his, even his Simpsons episode was hilarious where at the end he got uh, Homer to, because I guess in the Simpsons episode, Bart strikes up a friendship with him and, and Homer freaks out because he thinks that, 
Mark's going to be gay. And the whole thing was handled so, you know, un-Simpson-like and very so poetically. And, and so, yeah, that was, I love it. I love John Waters. But anyway, continue. Back to sexier-ish <laughs> stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's awesome. And he's, he's so great. I just love him. I adore him. Um, okay, well, let's talk about, I want to talk a little bit about the negative sides to pornography and eroticism and any unhealthy sides. There can also be sex addiction and that, that kind of stuff too. So Pasha, what do you think some of the unhealthy sides to this can be? Well, I mean, obviously, recently, I've had to do a lot of I've done speaking engagements anyway, around uh, the Atlanta shootings. And about incels and about that whole type of experience that people have gotten into. Uh, they're incels, young men who are, are essentially, they consider themselves virgins by, due to society in some way, I guess. Um, and they're, they're, they, they, there have been quite a few shootings by incels and they target women. And in the Atlanta shooting case, that incel targeted Asian women, and he also targeted massage parlors. And in a lot of pornography, Asian women are portrayed as massage parlors, very racist, uh, very awful. Um, there are a lot of recently, Rolling Stone did an interview with, a, with uh, quite a few of the most well-known Asian porn stars who said that they will not support a lot of these films. And sometimes they've been filmed and then they change the title to, um, I won't even say, so, I don't know if I'm allowed to say something, but they're, but they're really graphic and they're extremely racist. And then they have um, plenty also of one of the nice things as far as black pornography that I've seen with the advent of um, a lot of, uh, you know, now, the internet pornography is you see a lot of black porn with uh, all black couples, which you didn't see before. You saw the black men taking advantage and raping uh, white women a lot. Uh, you saw all kinds of uh, gang rape scenes with all black men and one white woman. You, you know, and as far as the Asian thing goes, I, I was act, asked by different authorities and stuff, or different reporters, I mean, about, do you think that this was an anti-Asian hate crime? Or do you think this was an anti-woman hate crime? Or do you think this was a crime against sex workers? And I said, why does it have to be or? Because I really think a lot of that is and. So it's Asian and, you know, hate crimes against Asians and massage part, you know, sex workers. And against women in general and I think that a lot of that the kid actually said kid the man actually said specifically that he watches a lot of porn and he blamed a lot of it on porn and overall I think the porn porn industry and overall I think pornography and eroticism it can be a very healthy thing however in in these extreme cases just like for religious reasons that people go on shootings or racist reasons that people go on shootings, or any other reason, negative effect on people. But especially when it portrays women as objects, as, um, and I'm not saying first wave feminists are right. That's absolutely not true. 
But when you objectify women to the point that they are no longer human and people take that into real life, that's when I think you run into a lot of issues. Most pornography is not like that, believe it or not. I don't know. It's, it's, it's just a very, it's a small percentage of the population. So I have, just like we talk about clients that are uh, in sex work that are schmucks and jerks and are abusive and hurtful and rape women and rob women, sex workers in general, not just women, but sex workers, rob us, rape us, whatever. That is such a small percentage of the population of that, of those clients. Most clients are really nice guys. So I think the harmful elements for porn is obviously anybody who has any kind of addiction. So any sex addiction where you are compulsively doing anything, um, I think is dangerous. Um, So once you cross that line and are like, you can't stop viewing it and you're losing a job for it, you're losing relationships over it. That's when porn becomes unhealthy. Um, I think that sometimes it gives an unrealistic uh, view of what sex is going to be like, Um, especially for, you know, teens that are watching it or have access to it and go, oh, so this is how this works. You know, there have been ones where I watched and went, my body is not going to move into that position. I don't care what you think. It's just not going to, I don't bend like that. I don't, I have too many bones in my body or something, right? I can't, I can't bend that way. I think that there's some unrealistic views of what may or may not happen during sex from porn. But I agree with Pasha. I mean, overall, I think most of it is healthy as long as you're using it in a healthy manner. And it's not, you know, if you're doing it for, just for fun and for entertainment, I think it's fine. You know, if you want to watch it with your your partner or however you're doing it is fine. It's when you become obsessive and the addiction where you're starting, it's impacting your life that it becomes problematic. And then like Pasha brought up the, the case of the woman that wanted to be tortured to death made me think of that movie with Nicolas Cage. Is it Nicolas Cage? Eight millimeter eight millimeter Mm -hmm. right and it's that kind of thing where it's this they're like snuff films is what he was tracking i think it turned out spoiler alert for the movie from the 90s that nobody saw um that she the woman that was dying in the movies wasn't they were making it look like she was but they kept reusing her and other things um but i think when you start getting into those extremes obviously we've crossed a line and we're not okay but yeah. yeah, I mean, overall, I agree with Pasha. Overall, like 90% of it, 95% is you're not hurting anybody. It's fine. You know, and people are using it. I don't want to say in an appropriate manner, but in a non-harmful, mm-hmm. non-detrimental. I don't What's the best way to say it? I think that that is the, you know, a healthy way, just yeah. a healthy adult way to use yeah. it where it's not harming anybody else. Right. That's yeah. And as long as everybody in the media you are consuming are consenting adults too. Correct. That's the other thing. So yeah. What is it? We did we talked about it in the BDSM, safe, sane, consensual. Mm-hmm. Exactly. As long as everybody's of age and consenting. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And Pasha, since you did get cut off, was there, because I know you were talking about something, I think you were at a protest or something and someone said something to you. So I want to make sure you got that, that in there too. Oh no, I just wanted to say that these stereotypes that are important pervade through our entire society into things that are not even porn related. And recently at a party, I was asked if my Volvo was only half slanted because I'm half Korean. And I was just like, and he was totally serious. And I was wow. like, what? And so those types of things just kind of run through everything. And, and the whole, not just pornography, but in movies in general, the Asian uh, prostitute. I mean, I, I've had to deal with those types of stereotypes since I was like a small, like a little kid uh, about how exotic I keep getting called exotic, how exotic I am. And I can tell you back when I was a sex worker, if I put in my ad that I was Asian, I easily had twice as many calls and I easily had twice as many calls that where they would request uh, to be a top. And when you're working, you, you don't ever do that. And um, um, if you're not working, that's a whole different thing. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's a very th it's thing that, that we're, we're, we're submissive, that we're victims. And women in general get portrayed that way a lot of the time in pornography. But especially Asian women. Just kind of echoing a lot of what both Pasha and Sasha said. And I think um, when it can also, I, I think the danger always with pornography, and this has been touched on a little bit, is also the way that men view women after watching a lot of pornography. Because I think that does happen sometimes where men can just have a different view on women. So I think that can happen a lot where men's view, where a man's view on a woman can change a little bit. And I think, of course, there is the sex addiction side to it. And I think there are men that do get become addicted. And I'm sure there are women, too, not just men. There are women, too. Um, and there can be the point where, you know, someone might, it also might turn into a problem where they're spending too much money, where, um, you know, it becomes a financial problem as well. It becomes a problem with their marriage, with their other relationships, where it can dominate things. I know, I think with the advent of the internet, and with porn on the internet, I think the way it became more readily available also caused some issues. But but I think that can become a problem too, where it becomes something where you are ignoring the rest of your life and just becoming consumed with this. And I think that happened a lot, even in the early days with AOL, like AOL became something where a lot of people would be getting off with each other and doing a lot of um, virtual sex and stuff like that. And, you know, you would, when you went on AOL, um, that would be the majority of the invitations you would get. It, they would all start age, sex, location, and then they would instantly be ramping up to that. So I think that became a thing that sort of took over a lot of people lives. So I think that can be the negative side of it. Of course, also the way uh, a lot of women are portrayed in pornography can be very detrimental to women in general, too. I think if you see yourself portrayed 
in a certain light, or if you see that this is all you're worth or good for. And I think women can also have a tainted view on what sex is if they just watch this. So not just men, I think it also affects women as well. In in that, in that sense, I think, um, you know, I think there are women who are in the, in the, pornography and pornography who have talked about this very openly and have said, you know, they, they got into it because they were sexually abused as children. And then they got into this. Uh, There have been women who have said they have been raped on sets who have been abused on sets. There was recently, of course, the women who came out with uh, rape allegations against Ron Jeremy. Um, So there's a lot of that. And I think sometimes what happens in that realm is, and this goes to us not respecting and treating sex workers as human beings, is I remember when that story came out and the comments under that story were so disgusting because it was so many people saying, well, they're in this business. What do they expect to happen? That's not okay. You know, a woman, just because they are a sex worker does not mean that you have the right to rape them. And it doesn't mean that they should expect to get raped. And just because someone is a sex worker and just because they happen to be in pornography and they're pornographic films and they're having sex on camera, that does not mean that they always consent to everything. And that happens. And so I think we also have to acknowledge that. And if we're going to believe women, then we have to believe all women. Um, so just, I want, I want to put that out there. So I think those are the dangers. Um, but I want, I want to go ahead and wrap up. I think this has been a really good conversation. I really appreciate Pasha and Sasha being so open and honest. I really appreciate it. Um, like I said, once again, we are definitely going to do something with Pasha at some point, if she feels comfortable with it, talking about sex worker rights and stuff in the future, that probably will be next year. But I think that would be a really good conversation to have. Because I think as women, we need to talk about this stuff more and also uh, get rid of a lot of the stigma around it. And I do want to say once again, if you are a woman and as long as it's consenting and consenting adults and you're watching something with two consenting adults, there is nothing wrong with watching pornography. There's nothing wrong with watching eroticism. There's nothing wrong with reading it. There's nothing wrong with writing it as long as it's consenting adults. I think that also goes into some of the reading stuff, which we could get into that in some other time. Um, But I do want to say that. So please don't feel like you're weird or ashamed of yourself if you do like pornography as a woman, because I think that's perfectly healthy and fine. So that was a big reason I also wanted to do that. So just going to say that again to everybody. Okay, so let's close out and everybody can say where they can be found. Pasha. Yeah, like I said, I'm Pasha, and you can, if you have questions about my work with uh, Red Light Resources International, you can email me at pripley, R-I-P-L-E-Y, at rlri.org. And if you have questions about Parasol Patrol or whatever, uh, just it's Pasha at parasolpatrol.org. And, uh, of course... I'm old, so I'm not great at the Twitter and the Insta, but <laughs> I Facebook, especially on Parasol Patrol page, quite a bit. Um, yeah, and I do tons of speaking engagements, and I do them by Zoom, and I guest lecture at universities, and I speak to hotel uh, conventions, hoteliers' conventions, for instance, on how to spot trafficking victims and whether 
you know, they look like him what to do. Maybe don't call 911. Matter of fact, never call 911. Instead, you know, connect with a victim advocate in your area. And so if anybody wants to talk to me about a speaking engagement, give me an email and we'll get to work because I think that supporting sex worker rights and is 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 would be an amazing thing and acceptance of sex workers and, and, and of sex work as a vocation and decriminalization is one of the major goals of my life. Awesome. Thank you so much, Pasha. Seriously. Thank you so much. Yes. And Sasha, if you have any resources, you yep. can give out. I'm so glad that Pasha was on here and was able to give out the human trafficking and the sex work stuff. Cause I'm like, I, I don't have a lot of resources for that. So thank you for doing that. I will throw out the National Sexual Assault Hotline, which is 1-800-656-HOPE, H-O-P-E. And then um, the RAIN, R-A-I-N-N.org is the Rape and Incest National Network. I just messed up on the two ends, but I think that's... Anyways, they boatload of resources on that website. Um, and they can link you anywhere. So anybody, just because we did talk about pornography and the fact that there's some non-consensual stuff that can happen and all of the rape and all of that stuff that can happen. So I want to throw those out there. Um, on a other note, uh, you can find me on Instagram at vegan geek chick. Uh, if you like dumb dogs, the link to my dumb dog is on there. Um, um, and apparently I'm going to investigate OnlyFans for feet. See if I can sell my feet. Kidding. Kidding. Half kidding. Yes. Don't kidding. Do it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. So, And all of those resources that both Pasha and Sasha gave out will be in the show notes. So just so you know, so if you're like struggling to write that down, or you're trying to listen back, don't worry. They are in the show notes. So definitely look there. And this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at EAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. If you have any feedback, show notes, anything like that, feel free to reach out to us at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. And on tomorrow's live stream, we are, since this is dropping on Friday, we are going to be talking about books. So we've never talked about books on this show before. So we're going to be talking about book adaptations and versus the source material. And then we're also going to be mentioning some book adaptations that we think are better than the source material. Like, for example, I think the movie A River Runs Through It is 100,000 times better than the book it's based on because the book or short story is extremely boring so i will say that that's one example i think also broke back mountain is the same way um, but there are a bunch of those so we're going to be talking about that we're combining it into one episode we were going to be doing two separate episodes but both of the topics kind of fit together so we're going to probably just be doing one episode next week and a heads up that in a couple of weeks, we aren't going to have any episodes for the last week in July. So just a heads up on that. No episodes dropping then, but we'll be right back to it. It's the first time since we had realized this. It's the first time since I launched this podcast that there's going to be a week without episodes. 
So that's pretty impressive. I'm pretty proud of myself there. <laughs> so that's pretty amazing. Um, so, but we are going to have one week without him. And then we're jumping into Ryan Murphy. So then we will be back with lots of things. I've got to go and rewatch Nip Tuck. And I guess I've got to watch Glee and a couple other things. So. <laughs> So I'm going to be diving into a Ryan Murphy hole here in a second. And then I'm going to go into a CW hole right after that. This sounds really off and weird. So I apologize, but it fits, whatever. Um, but anyway, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And thank you again to Pasha and Sasha. And remember, until next time, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. Thank you again for listening to It's a Fandom Thing. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Our logo was designed by Brooke Belly with cover art by Carla Timmies. Additional research was done by Megan Archuleta. Our Instagram and Facebook content producer and creator is Erin Amos. And our producer is Lila Tafola. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe. And remember, keep that fandom spirit alive. <laughs>